Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do we really know what happened? We're both into like true crimes. That's going to be our theme song. It'll be just a silent recording of me going... It'll be flat and out of tune every time. That's good. This is going to be murdery. Sorry, that's a Family Guy reference. <laughs> if you didn't get it. <laughs> Four guys sitting in armchairs behind oh, their newspapers. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't get it either. <laughs> no. You were totally on your own there. That's how we said hi this time. Hi. Hey. You're listening to Mystery Murdery Thingy. With Chloe. Oh, oh yeah, that's me. Is you and Mario. That's, that's me. Mario. Right. I'm Chloe. And you're Mario. <clears throat> oh yeah. That's, that's how it now, goes. now I remember. Do you understand the person I am? What's going on in this situation? Somebody made the Luigi joke to me today. Oh god. And they were they were like Oh my god, have you ever heard that before? <laughs> and I was, of course, jokingly, I was like, yeah, no, never, never in my life. And he was like, really? <laughs> like, no, yeah, like a billion times. What a guy. My entire life. He's so, trying. Yeah. He's trying. He was a very jolly gentleman, <clears throat> so I appreciated his gregariousness. Jolly um, uh, gentleman. The jolly gentleman? I feel like The jolly should... giant? No, but I feel like the Jolly Gentleman should be, like, an English pub, right? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. And on on the sign outside, it would be, like, a guy just, like, downing a beer. Is that... No? Doesn't get your... Um... (laughs) Doesn't get your interest? (laughs) the aesthetic fits. Maybe it would be... I understand what you're trying to go for. Right. Maybe it would be a pub in British Columbia. Segway, 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 segway. Because I'm doing a thing in British Columbia, <laughs> mostly. Okay, are you doing a mystery, a murdery, or a thingy? I am doing sort of a mystery. It might be a little bit murdery, but some of it is definitely not murdery. Or at least that's what they think. So, I'm going to go first. And my mystery is the mystery of the Salish see human feet discoveries. So this, I know you said you were thinking about doing this one too. The severed feet, yes. Yes, the Salish Sea severed human feet discoveries. Uh, Only feet, which is like probably the weirdest part about it. Um, So this is a phenomenon that's been going on for the past about 10 years in uh, this part of British Columbia, which is the west coast of Canada, just right north of Washington. What? Oh, no, nothing. I'm thinking of New England. No, yeah, this is the opposite side of the country as New England. So basically there's like the state of Washington and there's islands and uh, just kind of like sounds and bays and so forth. Um, Pretty. Right, a really beautiful area, you know, very wooded. 
a place that people like to visit and, you know, like travel to and run around and play on the beach and so forth. And one of the things that is now a somewhat banal occurrence, because it's happened so many times, is one of those seafarers or beach runners or tourists will find a severed human foot. (laughs) Or maybe even a bit of a leg, too. That's so So that was the most recent one was, like... and, And they were showing, like, in some of the pictures, it was, like, blurred out. But in some of them, it was, like, totally not. Ew! And and it is just, like, a bleached, uh, you know, what, what I, I don't even know, shin bone or whatever, you know, technical term. Aren't they be. all tennis shoes? They're not all tennis shoes, but they are almost all tennis shoes. Okay. There have been a couple that have been found just barefooted. By both in the same year, actually, which is a weird thing. And there have been a few that have been in, uh, like, hiking boots. But for the most part, they have been. Um, and, of course, by they, I mean the severed human feet. Uh-huh. Which which have been, con- you know, fairly continuously washing ashore on the a few particular shores and islands in mostly British Columbia, but a few of them also have also been found further south in uh, the state of Washington. And so it's 18 overall, 13 just in the ones that have gone on British Columbia. Now, four of those were from two people. So in other words, and I'll, I'll get sort of into this with the timeline so I'm going to do in a minute. Pairs. But not the same place. And oh. not at the same time. Oh, that's like very weird. Years apart. What? Yeah. So okay, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do a little bit of background first. Okay. okay. And then we're gonna get into like the trends, which is basically like a timeline as well. So the first one was discovered um, on August twentieth, two thousand and seven. Okay. And and by first, I mean the first of like this run of you know, 18 that have been found, right? So there were ones that were found in the past, particularly in 1887 and also in 1914. Mm -hmm. And both of those were were like uh, legs in a boot. In, In fact, there's a particular place where basically this foot was found in 1887 that they called leg in boot square, so that's just like apparently how much these people who live around Vancouver like don't give a fuck. <laughs> They're like, oh, severed human foot. Let's call this place the severed human foot place. I mean, what else? <laughs> I can love you, it. What else can you do? Like, I know. Right? <laughs> Run with it. Pun intended. Oh God. <laughs> Pun fucking intended. so like i said these uh, are found on the coasts mostly of what's called the salish sea uh which is in british columbia but also the northern you know part of washington and the last of them was found on december 8th 2017 so not that long ago like you know whatever five months ago or something so way less than that it's only february three months ago i'm not good at math why do Sorry. people brag about not being good at math? It's, being good at math is the brag. You know, you're right. <laughs> but it's it comes from a deep-seated place of jealousy. All right, all right. I think that's... If I were to psychoanalyze myself and all these other people to whom you're referring, that's what I would say. Would that's It fair. would definitely be, you know... I'll admit it. That makes sense. I If you're going to be petty, at least be honest. I, I think, agree. Right? Yeah. But don't be both. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, come on. That's you're okay, going, going too far. <laughs> okay. So, like I said, last one, December eighth, twenty seventeen. And but and by that point, people were like, I said, like pretty not phased by this. Like, there's this particular guy who's um who's was was quoted in a news article. His name's uh, Joshua Constandinu. I assume is how you say that. Who apparently owns like a local cafe in that area, and he he said. At the beginning, it seemed more strange, but now it happens so many times. <laughs> is that a good? Is that a good Canadian accent? Not at all. Good, good. I didn't mean it to be. That bad. was like Chicago. I f- yeah, yeah. Here, I'll, I'll let me try it again. Da bears. Okay, so this da bears. So this is Corporal 
also get, uh, I wanted to read a quote from Corporal Gary Cox of the Oceanside Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Wow. Which is like their version of like the FBI. That is a title. I know, right? Um, and this is quoted in the Vancouver Sun from August of 2007. So this is when there had been maybe like seven or something like that. Um, so he says, finding one foot is like a million to one odds. Eh? Eh. <laughs> but to find two is crazy, eh? <laughs> I've heard of dancers with two left feet, but come on. Oh my god! I know. I also felt like that was like kind of insensitive <laughs> to like, these people. <laughs> like he's like making a joke out of their severed human feet. <laughs> but like I said, people people can get used to anything. I like that the quote is like that, so it fit with your weird accent voice. Exactly. It's a very personable quote. When I was reading it before, I was like, oh, I have to read this in a bad Canadian accent <laughs> just to make it more personal. It wasn't. It was not okay. Sorry, keep going. Okay. <laughs> um, according to the coroner, and I, I don't really feel like this is true. They determined that none of them was murdered. But how can some, you tell? Well, some of it we'll get into. Some of it's based on timelines and the DNA evidence of they found out some of who these people actually were, and some of them had gone missing or things of that nature. But. Really, they can't tell that conclusively because some of them are just like way too, you know. Have they found anybody who's alive? And he's like, "Oh my god, you found my foot!" And he's like, "Been living." He's I've like... been looking for that foot. <laughs> um. <laughs> so particularly, there was a guy in July whose foot, rather, was found in July two thousand and eight, um, and his he he was uh, identified by DNA. And they said that it was a man who had been apparently known to be severely depressed, mm -hmm. and they believed that he committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And that's what they said for a few of these, that it's like people who were known to be kind of suicidal, and they may have jumped off a bridge or just kind of walked into the ocean. Oh, shit. So that's kind of the, the theory on some of them. Um, but I'll, I'll kind of get into the trends now. So the first two were found in 2007, they were found six days apart, I believe in August. And the first one, and I, I knew you'd like this, it was a girl who was on vacation, just walking on the beach, and found a severed human foot. My dream. That's, it is my dream. That's your dream. <laughs> I just wanted to have it. If you I had, would rather have it be a full dead body, though. I know. You've said that many times. <laughs> and it's, it is creepy. I, like I would that. be like, That's good. oh my god, you guys. Yeah, exactly. You'd be like the little... Officers. You'd be like the little kid in, in uh, Stand By Me, and you'd be like, hey, we should go on a trip. Yeah. You guys want to see a dead body. You guys, I said that Gianna, to Gianna today. What is she saying? She was like, how am I supposed to answer that? Yeah, that's, that's a good answer. I love her. One was found in an Adidas running shoe, and the other was found in a Reebok. And the shoes were made in 2003 and 2004, respectively. And the Adidas apparently was only really distributed in India. Huh. And we'll get, we'll cycle back to that fact. That will become very important for one of the theories of, of okay. where these bodies came from. So just tuck that away. Five of them were found in 2008 from February to November. Um, the first three that were found were all male the first four that were found were all right feet, and they've been mostly right feet that have been huh. found. Um, like I said earlier, there were two people whose both of their feet were found. So the foot of uh, the two feet of the same man um, w were found four years apart, or no, sorry, who had died four years earlier were found on February eighth and June sixteenth, respectively. So into that in the same in, in the same year, but in different places. Okay. And then the foot of the same woman was found on May twenty second and November eleventh. So okay. I was wrong when I said years later earlier. Um, they were both found several months apart in different places. Uh, there was then one severed foot which washed up on the shore in two thousand and nine. Um, like I said, virtually all of them were in running shoes up to this point. And uh, the male was thought to have died of natural causes in January of 2008. Two of them were found in 2010. 
Um, and these are the ones that were found without a... Well, the one was found not in a shoe. Uh, and was probably a small woman's or a female child's. Mm. And it had probably been in the water for about two months. The male's was probably a male child's was found in a hiking boot in 2010. So those were a little bit different. Three of them were found in 2011. One was identified as this man named Stefan Zahorushko, I believe is how you would say that. And um, he was basically a local fisherman who went missing in 1987. And um, in in December, a leg bone and foot were also found in a black plastic bag under a bridge. Uh, That's the one that's very different to me. Because that's the only one where I ever saw any reference to it being in, in anything. Right, as opposed yeah. to just a shoe. Yeah. You know, the reason that they're floating up, obviously, is because they're in shoes, for the most part. Clearly, that's the case. If it were just a severed human foot, they would sink. So that's not really that mysterious, but the fact that it's just feet is really weird. And this one that was found in a black plastic bag, just like, that one gives me the creeps. That one is probably murdered. that one seems like they were murdered. Yeah. You know, of all of them, that's the one where you could say, like, this was probably murder. Wow. So the, it seems like there is at least one there. And then there was only one in 2012, none in 2013, one in 2014, two in 2016, one in 2017. So 18 in all, 13 in British Columbia. The one that was found, oh, this is where different years comes in. There was one that was found in 2016 that also matches one that was found in 2012. Okay. Right? So, there have also been some hoaxes. Do they have, like, a museum? I wouldn't think so, no. (laughs) I'm fairly certain that they're probably keeping these in a a non-public setting. Although, when I was... I I wanted to watch a documentary about this, but it was... You'd have to buy the DVD. But the preview for it or whatever showed the what they called the the bone yard or something which is like this place in tennessee where they investigate you know the decaying of human bodies for forensic purposes and they were showing this guy who's an entomologist who basically his job is to so they bring the dead body there and they just leave it out you know as if it were in the middle of the woods but it's this place where they train they're they're studying it where they're studying it exactly and they just let stuff happen, right? So they're showing this on camera where it's just like covered in maggots. Ew! Right? And then oh my God, calmly no. explaining how this entomologist, whose job this is, you know, sees, okay, the, the maggot larva is at this stage and the body is, you know, whatever at this level of decay. Oh, they died, you know, two months ago. But it, oh, you know, to it, develop the timeline. Exactly, of how. exactly. Well, but I mean, that's important work. It's extremely important. But I mean, for almost everyone in humanity, the first reaction to that is, you know, oh God, no, oh. <laughs> but the person who wants to be that forensic entomologist is like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know. I want to be that guy. <laughs> so I just thought that was kind of cool. Um, so, uh, very unique job. Exactly. That's, that is true. So like I said, there have been some hoaxes. Um, unfortunately people kind of just like taking advantage of this situation to try to freak people out or whatever. So there was an animal paw that was found in a shoe in 2008. Mm. Yeah. Hopefully the animal died of natural causes. I hope. Um, there was, there have also been, and there were a number of rather running shoes full of raw meat Ew. in 2011 that kept washing on to the shores. Yeah, pretty terrible. I mean, really. How bored do you have to be? <laughs> uh, I mean, do they not got the internet in British Columbia in 2011 or something? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> you don't got better shit to do than buy raw meat fill shoes with it and throw it into the ocean in the hopes that what? Maybe it was a dog toy and it went, I don't know. Let's hope. <laughs> Not I'm a great dog to toy. Sense of something really dumb. Yeah. But yes. 
So, like I said, one of the weird weirdest things is that there have been no other body parts washing up. Yeah. Now, like I said earlier, part of the reason for that is probably that they are in shoes. And th- this process of them getting de- detached from the body itself is apparently pretty easy and like well understood that that's what happens if you have a body a human body that's in a body of water you know over the course of months to well i guess they said a few days actually to a few months that the extremities are going to tend to detach just because the the ankles and the wrists it's a weak point so as as the body decays and and um the the foot actually tends to make this substance that helps this to, to happen that's kind of like lie the the limbs will detach so the, so the extremities yes but it's it's also uh, you know that's how human bodies work when they're dead you know i mean there's it, it is also just like a scientific thing Not well we're talking about severed human body parts today because that's what i picked <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna talk about it. So that, like I said, you know, probably the reason why it's mostly feet is that they're in shoes. To be honest, to to not you know kind of make too much of it, but that no other body part has ever been found to wash up. That is pretty crazy, and that it and that it's happened all in this one area. Do you? Okay, so are there were there any that were found that were clearly this was like chopped off or something? No, that's a really good question. No, n- none of what I read mentioned anything, and in fact, some of them mentioned specifically that they had not been found with you know any sort of uh, ligature marks or or cutting. That clearly the detachment of them from the ones that were in a good enough condition that you could tell were from that natural detachment from from decay. I wonder why they're all showing up in that same area, though. There are some theories about that as well. Um, Although the currents can be unpredictable in this area, they do tend to bring things in in from the ocean. Just the way the currents work, Mm -hmm. it kind of cycles into this area. Or there's also a, a, a kind of a larger ocean current that cycles into this area oh. from about a thousand miles away, apparently. So, but but again, there there are other areas of the world, and I'm sure maybe they do have stuff like this. But I feel like this is the most famous one, or the, the, it's the, the only one that I've ever heard of. What about the shoe in India? Well, it wasn't um, in India, in India per se. It was a shoe that had been uh, distributed in India, and then the foot was found in British Columbia, with the foot inside of it. Oh. So what they think is that some of these people could have been victims of the two thousand and four tsunami. Oh. Which I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Actually, I think uh, I was reading the Wikipedia page. I think it said it was a consequence of the like the third largest seismic event ever recorded. And, you know, it was just, I mean, such a terrible disaster through, you know, over a dozen countries, you know, thousands and thousands of people dying and and, uh, affected by it, hundreds of thousands, I'm sure. So they think some of this could have been victims of that. And and the one shoe from India that had washed ashore, you know, that had probably originated from India, I think lends credence to that theory. Yeah. You know, because India was one of the countries affected and, you know, who, who knows, you know. But I, I also don't think they all come from one source. Well, you know, I think that's probably pretty clear, too. So there are other theories about where they could have come from. There was like a plane crash that happened in 2005 um, where these four guys died and their bodies were never recovered. So they think some of them could have probably been from that. But some of them, like I said, could have been from foul play, too. We we really don't know, you know. So there was also a guy who, um, like I said before, was uh, a fisherman who went missing. They think it could have had to do with one of them could have could have been him, too. So, yeah, I think that was was pretty much it. So, you know, the, the, this the fact that it's all happening within this 10 year period 
Yeah, that's also... In this one place, and that it's all feet. I mean, just the, like, any one of those things within itself might not be that weird or mysterious, but all three of those combining yeah. seems, like, very, very unusual. And, and there were, I mean, people who they were questioning about it, you know, in some of the stories, were talking about how this is, like, one in a million, you know, or, or more, you know, chance that this could keep happening in this one place. So, I don't know. No one knows. But cool. my prediction... We will get another severed human foot. Wow, that's my prediction. Makes you think that it, it's if past is precedent, <laughs> then that will occur. Okay. Now, of course, that or it could never happen again. Who knows? Who knows? So I got a lot of my stuff, and I just had a few sources this time from Wikipedia, from obviously the the Salish Sea Human Foot Discoveries Wikipedia page. And also Matthew Hogg at the New York Times and Yanan Wong at the Washington Post. Very nice. Yes, yes, yes. So that was the Salish Sea Human Severed Feet Discoveries. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Oh, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's my turn. Yes. Okay, so I'm doing a murdery. Good. Mystery. I uh, one more prediction. My next one will include a murder. Okay. <laughs> a, a positive, definitely happened murder because <laughs> it's been like ever since the first one for me. <laughs> okay, go go. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um. So, I'm doing the mystery of Dyatlov Pass. Dyatlov, I think, is how you say it. I looked it up, and I forgot already. It was like Dyatlov. Dyatlov Pass. So, basically, on February February 1st, 1959, 10 grad students from the Ural Polytechnic Institute um, in Russia went on a ski hiking trip in the Ural Mountains uh, in Siberia. They were expected back February 12th, but they never returned. The goal of this, um, their like overall goal of their 14 day expedition was to reach a mountain called Otorten, um, which was be, which ended up being six miles north of the site of, uh, the incident. So this route at that season was estimated as category three, aka it's the most difficult to mm-hmm. like. Um, navigate and mm. the terrain and, and stuff. So a student named Igor Dethlov was the leader of the group. Him and all the other members were experienced in long ski tours and mountain expeditions. So they knew what they were doing. Okay, so the I'm going to talk about like the basic timeline and um, and then like more about the the injuries and stuff because that's where things get the most interesting so the group arrived by train at evdel a city at the center of the northern province province of sverdlovsk oblast on january 25th they then took a truck to viz 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 not sure how to say that viz the lat the last inhabited settlement so far north. And they started their march toward the mountain from Vizay, uh, where they took the bus to, on January 27th. The next day, one of the members, Yuri Yudin, was forced back to go back, was forced to go back because of, he, he, he like got sick, like on his way over there. So little did he know this catastrophe would happen. So mm-hmm. he was like the 10th person. There were okay. 10 of them that went. And one of them left early. He so, was left to tell the tale. Left to tell the... Well, he wasn't... Nothing had happened yet. Anyway, oh, yeah. Okay. This is just their journey, too. So, uh, we know a lot of, like, what... Even though everybody everybody died, we know a lot of what happened because there were diaries and cameras found around their last camp. Mm-hmm. And so that's what made it possible to track th- their route up to the day preceding the incident. Uh-huh. Um, but there's still one camera missing to this day. Mm-hmm. So during these few days, no one knows like what really happened. All we know is that something went horribly wrong, and we end and we we end up with nine dead dead bodies. So 
On February 1st, the team gets a late start, goes 500 meters off their planned route, and they pitch their tent on the North Slope, which nowadays is called Dyatlov Pass. According to the autopsy reports, they all died in a mysterious way the next day, February 2nd. Although they were expected to be back by the 12th, their leader, uh, leader Igor Datlov, sent a telegram to Yuri, the dude who um, was sick, saying that they expected to be back late. And this was also something that was common during expeditions like this, to be back a couple days later than planned. Sure. So there wasn't, like, an immediate search party or an immediate, like, panic when, like, a couple days later there, like, was no sign. Right. So um, there actually wasn't a search party sent out for the students until the 20th. Oh, wow. On the 26th, the abandoned... It took a long time for them to find... Uh, so you said the incident itself happened on the 7th, right? On the 2nd. On the 2nd? Oh, wow. Yeah. So even longer than I was thinking. So they took off about January 27th. Okay. Um, and, and their tent was pitched February 1st. Mm. So um, here's what happened. On the 26th, of February, the abandoned and badly damaged tent was found by the rescuers. Mikhail Sharavin, the student who found the tent, said that, quote, the tent was half torn down and covered with snow. It was empty and all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind, end quote. Investigators said that the tent had been cut open from the inside and that skiers and that they had fled in socks or they fled barefoot. There were a chain of eight or nine sets of footprints left by several people who were wearing socks, a single shoe or barefoot. Um, these footprints could be followed and led down towards the edge of nearby woods. But after about 500 meters, they ended up being covered with snow. So at the forest edge, under a large old cedar tree. So we have the tent, footsteps leading all the way to an old cedar tree. The search party found the remains of a fire along with the first two bodies, those of Yuri Kruvyshenko and Yuri Doroshenko, shoeless and dressed only in their underwear. The branches on the tree were broken up to five meters high, suggesting that the skiers had climbed up the tree to look for something, perhaps to see how far they were from camp. Um, forensic tests later confirmed that traces of skin were found embedded in the bark, indi indicating that the pair had frankly tried to climb the, the tree as though like they were being tra chased by something. That's was, what I was thinking. Yeah, snapping yeah. off branches until their hands were a mass of pulpy flesh. But they didn't talk about any like animal footprints or anything, no. right? Because no. that's what I was thinking. Like, oh shit, a bear's coming. Yeah. But clearly, they clearly would have something been able to see scared that. Them. Yeah. Something happened. Right. The medical examiner recorded that some of the corpses had liver mortis on the front, and given that such marks always form on the side of a body that has been pressed against the ground, this indication this indicated that someone had turned them over after death. So on February 27th, the next day after those two, the first two bodies were found, between the cedar and the tent, the searchers found the leader, Igor Dyatlov, and Zin Zinaida Komogorova. And six days later, on March 5th, Rustem Slobodin. The three seemed to have died in poses, suggesting that they were attempting to go back to the tent. A medical examination found no injuries, which might have led to their deaths, and it was concluded that they had died of hypothermia. Slobodin had a small crack in his skull, but it was not thought to be a fatal wound. A legal inquest started immediately after finding the first five bodies. Searching the remaining four travelers took more than two months. So they first found those two bodies in one day, and then the next day they found another three, and then it took two more months to, for them to find the other ones. Wow. Yeah. So the next four bodies were found on May 5th under um, four meters of snow in a ravine farther, that was farther into the woods. So these four were better dressed than the others, and there were signs that those who had died first had apparently relinquished their clothes to the others. Which to obviously to stay alive, um, keep they just kept like bundling up like one person died and they took their clothes. Right. Uh, Zalataryov was wearing Dubinina's faux fur coat and hat, while her foot was wrapped in a piece of Krivonishenko's wool pants. An exam an examination of the four bodies found in May changed everything. It was these four bodies that they found two months later that were different. 
It's here when things get fishy. Three of them had fatal injuries instead of hypothermia. They had a different cause of death. The body of Thibaut Brunoles had major skull damage, and both Dubinina and Zolotaryov had major chest fractures. According to the medical examiner, the force required to cause such damage that... Sorry. According to the doctor, the force required to cause um, damage that would have been due to extremely high pressure. He compared it to the force of a car crash. The notably, the, bo- the bodies had no, ex- no external wounds either, as though they were crippled by a high level of pressure. So Dubinina was found to be missing her tongue as well. The group clearly realized their threats and did everything they could to preserve themselves. Like, it's, it's, according to the evidence, the, the, the tent was cut from the inside in multiple places. They were barefoot. They, had, they didn't bring their supplies with them. They had provisions a couple miles the other way that they left there um, earlier for them to come back to, but they didn't go that way for some reason. So it sounds to me like either they were being chased, yeah, and so they were forced to go in the opposite direction, or they had some kind of psychosis. Yeah. Presumably brought on by hypothermia, which will have that effect on people, right? Where they, they get that weird thing where you, like, feel really hot, but you're, like, actually, like, dying of cold. Yeah. So you, like, rip off your clothes and, like, run into the snow. Yeah. Because you, like, think that you're overheating. I don't know if they think maybe that was, could have been part of it. But then why were they, you know, getting hypothermia in the first place? So they were inside of their tents. That's what doesn't really make sense about it. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, what made them do that. So I'm going to read a little bit of each of the victims of what they were wearing and their cause of death, just because like each one's very different. So the first, this is based on when they were found. So the Yuri's, Yuri Doroshenko and Yuri Krivonishenko, they were both, um, their cause of death was both, um, hypothermia. They, and they were both, Barefoot. Igor, their leader, Igor Dyatlov, hypothermia. He also wasn't wearing any shoes. Uh, Zinaida Komogorova, hypothermia. She wasn't wearing any shoes, but she was also found better dressed than the other hikers. And then Rustam Slobodin, hypothermia, but he also had a fractured skull. Multiple areas of edema and abrasions on his face and his arms. And he was also found better dressed than the other hikers, but and he had one boot on. Um, Lyudmila Dubinina, she was one of two of the bodies where um, radiation was found on the sweaters and the pants, which is very odd. Yeah. They found traces of radiation on her sweater and Alexander Kalevatov's sweater as well. Uh, Dubinina... Sounds like a radioactive werewolf was after them. That's what it was. Is that is that what it ends up being? Yeah, a radioactive fucking werewolf. Guess that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's lots of theories. But she died of major trust fractures, and she was missing her tongue, her eyes, part of her lips, as well as facial tissue and a fragment of skull bone. And the tongue... It, the tongue one was removed while she was still alive. So that's some weird shit. Jesus Christ. Um, Sounds like Lavinia syndrome. Semyon Zolar... It's a Titus Andronicus reference. Who? Titus Andronicus. Titus Andronicus? Shakespeare. Shakespeare? Sorry, go on. I'll stop interrupting you now. Who's Shakespeare? I'm just kidding. Okay. Shakespeare. My main man, Willie Shakes. I call him Willie Shakes. I call him Billy Shakes because we know each other better than you know him. Wow. (laughs) Anyway, back to these victims. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Semyon Zolotaryov, he was also, his cause of death death was also major chest fractures and his eyeball was missing. 
uh, and then Nikolai Thibault Brignoles had major skull damage, multiple fractures to the side of his skull that would have made him unable to move. So there was everybody had something weird about it. Mm-hmm. So that's why this is such a weird thing, and they don't know what caused them the initial scare, and they don't know. I think the weirdest part of it is that the cuts were from the inside of the tent. Um, so here are a list of theories, and then I'm going to go on and talk about my favorite ones. Okay. So theories. KGB agents were involved. One theory. Two theory. The hikers were mistaken for escaped prisoners from a gulag prison. Uh, third, the indigenous Monsi people who lived on the mountain uh, killed the hikers because they were trespassing on holy land. It was interesting because they there were pictures of uh, their markings on trees and stuff. Mm. Um, another theory is there was an avalanche. Another theory is that the U- a UFO scared the group away. Uh, another theory, which I like because it parallels to our last episode, infrasound. Ah, um, another one infrasound. was gravity fluctuation. Another one was lightning slash uh, lightning balls, like balls of lightning. Right, ball which, lightning. Which also the Mansi people um, have been victims of, but they also like were much more knowledgeable of them. Sure. Um, it was almost part of their culture. Well, in some areas of the world, it's a pretty regular occurrence, isn't it? I mean, it looks really weird, but... Yeah. Yeah. So, the KGB agents. Alec- Alekai- Alexei Rekiton, author of the book Dyatlov Pass, says that one of the victims, Alexander Zolortyov, um, he was, he was um, someone who had radiation on his jacket, and Yuri Krivo, Krivonyshenko were K, KG. Oh no, no, sorry. Let me start over. Zolotaryov, Alexander Kolevatov, and Yuri Krivonyshenko were KGB agents, and they were on a mission to uncover a cell of CIA agents. They were to deliver radioactive samples and then take photographs of the Americans, but something went wrong, and the CIA agents killed the group. According to this theory, two or more members of the Dialov group were hired by the KGB to deliver fake proof of radioactive tainted clothes. The rest of the group was probably unaware of the real purpose of these three KGB, uh, their journey. The author, uh, Rakuten, his version is one which is um, pretty popular, like his theory is pretty popular because it's logical in terms of explanation of the most mysterious issues like the radioactive clothes. the absence of shoes and upper garments and the fact that one of the cameras was missing. So... And it would also explain the cut from the inside. Yes. Because it was literally an inside job, right? Yes. Um, There's also some weird details about the skiers themselves that give rise to a, like a Cold War spy type, you know, scenario. Sure, sure. Um, Alexander Zolotaryov, again... Uh, one of the hikers had radiation in the sweater, was a 37-year-old bachelor and instructor of, at a remote tour center who joined the group at last minute. He was a veteran with years of combatant experience who fought for the NKVD and bore an enigmatic tattoo, Dermawazuaya. Until this day, the word remains untranslated into any known language. So nobody knows what the hell that it means, but it's weird. Anyway, Dermawazuaya. Until this day, the word remains untranslated into any known language. Archives of the Ural Polytechnic Institute revealed a remarkable detail about another hiker, um, the other Alexander, Alexander Kolevatov, before transferring to... So before transferring to the physics technical department at um, the the university, he worked in Moscow as a lab assistant in a top-secret scientific facility, an unarmed atomic institute known as P.O. Box number 3394. And uh, the third person that they accused of being a KGB agent, Yuri Krivonashenko, worked in the plant Mayak in Chelyabinsk, where a massive nuclear disaster, second in severity only to Chernobyl, occurred in 1957. Right. Researcher, the author, Alex Alexei Rakitin, is certain that this peculiar fellowship was not gathered by whim of chance. 
So this weird little trio mm. was not an accident. Behind the biographies of these three dudes, um, Brooding Shadow of the KGB is distinct. So they think, basically they think that the true objective of the ski trek, um, unbeknownst to everybody else, was to deliver radioactive samples to a group of agents of the CIA to take, and to take pictures of the spies. And the other hikers who, I guess, were thought to be the CIA, had been under the guise of ordinary tourists camping at the mountain. The meeting took place on February 1st, but something went wrong, and the Americans realized that the trio was playing a double game. A conflict ensued, a fight, torture, and the brutal massacre of the entire group. Seems pretty plausible. And the second one, in the, the I mean, the CIA has done a lot of fucked up shit. That's Hell all I'm going to say. Oh yeah. Very true. Up to and including... <laughs> At any point God. to today. <laughs> I mean, who even knows, right? Infrasound. The infrasound theory. So, as part of a technological theory, there have been suggestions of an infrasound that might have been responsible for sudden unpleasant feelings among the tourists. So, there's new research into rare weather phenomena that... Phenomena, sorry. Every time somebody says phenomena, I'm like... I know. Phenomena. Okay, know. sorry has suggested that a perfect storm could have struck the campers in the night, panicking them so much that they would have fled the tent and fallen victim to the brutal cold before they came to their senses. This dude named Donnie Eicher, who spent five years researching this whole thing, um, and then he undertook the dangerous trek himself, believes that a wind phenomenon called a Carmen Vortex Street could have produced a terrifying, like, powerful, powerful sound, which like we discussed before, is proven to induce irrational fear right. in humans. Right. Due to the unique topography of the, mo- of the mountain, uh, which is a perfect dome shape, the fierce winds that blow through the pass could have been warped as they like struck the, the, the surface. So the wind, which was blowing in a straight line, would, would be twisted instead into a series of small but powerful tornadoes, which would tear down either side of of the pass. So the tornado spinning fast enough to tear roofs off buildings would have created a deafening noise. And even if that would be the infrasound. So even if they missed the tent, even if they like missed the tents, it still would have like, they still would have like heard this. Right. Um, so blah, blah, infra, infrasound, opposite of ultrasound, uh, frequency low. It's so low. can't be picked up by the human air causes that, Ear um, causes that um, vibration. Studies have shown it can cause um, loss of sleep, shortness of breath, and extreme dread. Yeah, and like we talked about last time, in uh, so at some frequencies, it can also cause hallucinations. So, you know, who's to say they couldn't have been maybe running away, at least those two initial ones, yeah. right? Running away from something that wasn't even there. Yeah. But that they saw because they heard something that they couldn't really hear. Like, those it's all very two, strange. Those were the two theories that I yeah. found the most plausible, the most interesting. There were, there were some other weirder ones. Oh, but, I'm sure. Because uh, there's no witnesses. There's just, right. They just have this evidence, this tent, basically. So and really, the diaries. you can speculate all you want. Yeah. yeah. Um, the others were found in a... There were the two bodies that they found... The four bodies that they found in those two days, and then the ones that were found months later were actually found in, like, a den. A little den that they made for themselves to keep themselves away from the wind and the cold. Right. And there were, like, branches on the ground, and it was, like, a little, like, dome. So what do you, what do you think happened, Mario? The, well, the, the, the KGB, you know, CIA connection definitely seems like the most. I think that's the one you want to believe the most because those are the ones you're most interested in. That's true. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be self Aware enough to admit, yes, that is, yeah. Okay, you ready for some weird, weird shit in the news? And then I'm going to do some good shit in the news, too. All right. All right, you go first. Okay, so my weird shit in the news is a USA Today story. Headline is, Arizona mom wakes up with British accent. She's never left the U.S. She's faking it. So that's what you would you would think, right? But but she's really she's not. But really, okay. But explain. I assure you, 
that she actually is not. So this is a story by Ashley May over at USA Today. So there is a, a real proven s- syndrome that is called foreign accent syndrome, which is a real thing. Now, I know you're giving me a very skeptical look, and I know <laughs> uh. if anyone's actually listening to this, they're thinking, no, that's bullshit, but it is real. And this person, her name's Michelle Myers, lives in Arizona, but she's a former Texas beauty queen, so I was definitely, you know, predisposed to like her, um, says that she's actually had three accent changes in the past due to the syndrome. And they all started with an extreme headache and ended in a bizarre change in speech. First Irish, then Australian, and now British. And according to her and, and her doctors, it is completely involuntary. And in, I mean, in fact, they were, sh- they like showed her cause I, I watched a little, do they have her, lo- like brain patterns and stuff? No, no, no. I, I was just going to say, I, I watched a local news segment where they were showing her a, a video of her beforehand of her just like talking in her normal voice, you know, before this happened. And she was like tearing up. She was like getting really emotional and she, and she was talking about it. You know, she was like, I know people won't believe me. Like, all I want to do is to be taken, like, seriously, that I, I have this illness. It was, like, actually really sad. <laughs> but, I mean, she's also not dying from it, so, I mean. But she does have a lot of other issues. Like, she has really painful joints stuff. and mm-hmm. And they think that that might be part of what brings it about. And there have only been about 100 known confirmed cases of this ever happening in the past 100 years. But there have been, like, 100 cases that have been documented. And usually it comes after, like, a head injury or a stroke or some other kind of, like, severe, you know, disease. I mean, out of all the things that could happen to you after a stroke, that's certainly an easy way out. Well, you know, I mean, it's, I guess, a type of, like, kind of aphasia or something. You know, like, when you have a stroke... Sometimes people will, you know, it's like my grandma, my mom's mom, when she had a stroke, um, she would like say a word and she was, she would think she was saying the right word, but it was a completely different word. But in, in your head, you, you think you're saying like what you think you're saying, (laughs) but it comes out like baseball nose plugs strawberry you know it's like bears no resemblance to anything that you were trying to say that's so weird um or there's different kinds of it but you know maybe i don't know it has something to do with that so i'm not totally sure but i thought that was pretty pretty weird pretty weird um so this is my good shit in the news uh the headline uh from people magazine uh, is gay veterans ages 172 share story of coming out and falling in love in nursing home Aww. by uh, Maria Peschini. I know. It, well, I, I was thinking about this. Like, like what is other than a good dog is cuter than like two old people in love, you know? And that it's like two old gay veterans in love just I think like makes it that much I love it I'm seeing rainbow and they were talking about how they like met in the nursing home you know obviously they were already like really old but this was like 25 years ago and they eventually like had a a kind of like a marriage ceremony you know before it was like legal and they were like kind of nervous you know because But they said, like, everyone was super positive. And, like, one of their fellow people who lived there even, like, introduced, like, this is so-and-so and and his husband, da-da-da. And the guy was like, no one had ever said that before. (laughs) Aww. Yeah. And and just the fact that it was, like, this hundred-year-old guy and some, you know, it's just, like, I just love that people get to have the chance of love. Even if it's, like, in your golden years. Like, finally, we got to a place where, like, you could just fucking have a boyfriend and then marry him. Like, no one's going to give a shit, because why should they ever have? Because <laughs> it was always so fucking stupid. But I just really liked that. How am I supposed to follow that, Mario? Well. Ugh. <laughs> with aplomb. So I found... All I have is weird news. Um... 
All I have is weird news. That's okay. That's so, okay. I, I think good shit in the news will only be when we see something that's like particularly worthy of calling it out. Okay, that makes sense. So I found here. Okay, here's the the title. Doctor finds. Excuse me. Doctor finds two hundred and sixty three coins, one hundred nails inside man complaining of stomach pain. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so. Was his uh, name Ed Gein? <laughs> Okay, so here's, here's what happened. This is like the, they didn't, the guy comes in, he's complaining of stomach pain, he, they get an endoscopy? Yes. Endoscopy. And, you know, they find all this crap. Right. So, here's what the doctors say. They say, usually people start eating abnormal things under certain psychological conditions. He had been eating metal for a year, but did not tell anybody. Normally, there is no problem until these particles start obstructing the intestines. In this case, the problems had started. Yeah, I bet. So <laughs> I fucking bet. That's just about. I guess that's about it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, this is dude ingesting metal. So it's kind of like one of those episodes of My Strange Addiction. Yeah. But it was swallowing metal. Well, you know, that's that's people. They prevented any damage. There was no bleeding or anything. Really? So yeah. he was okay. They yeah he was he's he's stable. Uh, wow. They caught it early enough, I guess. Oh. But <laughs> good for him. Oh, Live man, your my dream, stomach. buddy. It really hurts. Why? I don't know. <laughs> what he... you have for breakfast? Uh, you know, some nails. <laughs> I, I thought you know my doctor said I needed more iron. That was terrible. That was a bad joke. Sorry. Oh <laughs> I apologize I like for quarters, that joke. I like the quarters the best. Right. <laughs> They're the most satisfying. That's, I don't know how much... It's uh, uh, a good quarter. wonder what kind of trip to the toilet that is. Eh? An Audio expensive pal? one. Oh, God. Cha-ching. You know, it's time to end the podcast. <laughs> I've made my second corny joke of the last two minutes. Second? Of the last two minutes. Two minutes. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's probably ready. I was like, uh. Probably ready to wrap. Hey, I didn't say it my whole life, okay? <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for li- We never say that. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, I say it. Okay, good. <laughs> You're the one who's nice. Please subscribe. Rate. Please rate us. That would be so cool. We'd love to actually. And we should be getting an actual banner image soon. Oh, yeah. So I have confirmed with our in-house illustrator. In-house illustrator? (laughs) My friend Brendan, who has said that once he's done with his actually paying projects, he'll get to us. (laughs) And we thank him dearly for it. Yay. Yes. So hopefully we'll we'll have a real image soon. We're going to be a real podcast. And then we'll buy an actual... Yeah, we'll, we'll be on Patreon soon so you can give us money so we can get an actual microphone so we sound better. So That's the goal. Ho- that should be coming That's soon. That's a small goal that, right now. That is our dream to, and... to actually record onto an actual microphone. Yep. <laughs> Not my iPhone. <laughs> and to... Keep our consistency on Wednesdays. Wednesdays. Tune in on Wednesdays. It's 9.27 p.m. on a Tuesday. You know what, Mario? We need to know that. So we're doing pretty well. We are. You're going to mess it all up. Good job by you. Oh, God. Bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.